On this episode of the Pack It Up Pod, we continue to talk about how we are the kings of the north with our week one win over the Vikings. If you haven't already, hit subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at the Packers Pod. And with that, let's go pack. Running out in the first half. Rodgers is going deep for Valdez Scantling. And he's got it. Into the end zone. Touchdown, Packers. Marquez, Valdez, Scantling. Hey there, everybody, and welcome back. Devontae Adams is absolutely unreal. Jahari's safety and interception were ideal. Winning back-to-back in mini was surreal. Bikes gave Cousins $66 million deal. But it was Tim freaking Boyles with the game-ending kneel on the Pack It Up Packers podcast. That Woo! is right. <laughs> How good did that feel? How good did that feel? This is Ryan, joined as always by Josh and Dan. Hello, gents. Hey, hey, hey. Hello. Go, Pack, go. So how does it feel to be back, not only with the NFL season, but a Packers win against the Minnesota Vikings? It was amazing. That it, Especially the end of the first half, you know, it just shines. Aaron Rodgers, how he shines in the last two minutes of, you know, either the first half or the game um, with two touchdowns. Um, and... I, I that got me going. I was hyped at halftime. I was hyped before also, but that got me going. I realized we were in the season. Uh, but yeah, it was a great game to watch. Great game. Aaron played within the offense. Aaron threw the ball on time. He mentioned it in the post game comments. Aaron got the ball out. Aaron looked like six years ago. Aaron Rodgers. He wasn't trying to extend plays on every freaking down. We still have a little timeout issue that we'll talk about later, Aaron. But just to be out, I had to go to a bar to catch the game here in Raleigh. I went out with another couple, friend of ours, who uh, one Packer fan, the other is a Viking fan. But in a fun way, he he understood the friendly banter aspect of it. And just to be out watching football was awesome. Five TVs, five different games. But then to see that beatdown was even better. But it didn't start that way. It started with a little bit of nerves. Definitely. And I think getting the field goal – wondering if we had red zone issues, them coming back and scoring, and then just falling apart in the red zone. It was, uh, I didn't know if it was going to be the same way, but let's jump right into the defensive side, which I think we have a little bit more questions on this week than the offense. I do think, and this is going to sound a little bit like a homer call, but 43 to 34 was the final score. But in my mind, it was never quite that close. I don't know if we are ready to do prevent defense with this defense because it was absolutely atrocious in the fourth quarter, giving up points after points after points, not even on touchdowns, but then two-point conversions twice. So let's talk about it. What did we like? What do we not like about this Green Bay defense? I mean, I think you said it best. I don't get why they let up the gas. Um you know, our, our secondary, they're, they're attacking secondary. They love to attack. Same with the, our pass rush. So why are we setting everything up to be in front of us, you know, and just let them get five to six yards instead of a touchdown, you know, but they ended up getting over the head of our safeties twice while we we're in prevent defense. So that doesn't make much sense. Um, so, yeah, they definitely need to reevaluate that. But overall, the first half, 
I don't know if it was our defense was good or Kirk Cousins just looked awful in my opinion. Um, he even the interception by Jair, it was an awful pass, um, way behind Thielen. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not really sure how good our defense played. Um, I really liked how they came out um, and looked in the first half, but I, I'm not sure if it was the Minnesota playing bad or our defense actually performing well. Yeah, let's talk about this before we uh, jump all over Kirk Cousins because he played the way he thought we would play. He is what we thought he was. <laughs> Our defense has issues, gentlemen. Did you hear anything from Dean Lowry? Mm-mm. Did no. you hear anything from Tyler Lancaster? Where's Kiki? Did you hear anything from Kiki? The middle linebackers, we pulled off Chris Barnes from the practice squad in the morning, got signed to the 53, and he ended up with seven tackles, two for a loss. Yeah. This is not a good run defense. No. I mean, Kirksey didn't magically fix our problems. It wasn't a good run defense even before Kenny Clark went out with a groin, which I hope he's back soon. It looks like his injury is hopefully the most minor out of out of the three I think we had at the end of the day. But – the run defense is an issue to the point that when the Vikings were backed up and Jair ended up getting that safety, it, it looked like an awesome play. And he just felt that and made a football play. But he came out with comments after the game saying I was run blitzing and I just felt it and went for it. And it, if you look, they had two wide open wide receivers. Kirk didn't have time to go find them, but that could have been a 99 yard touchdown if he had another half a second. So the play ended up fantastic, but this run defense is a serious issue. It, we came out of today uh, without any issues. Thank the Lord. But you saw the Vikings game plan going in on the first drive was just, we're going to run it down your throat and they did it successfully. Yeah. I think other than Jair, it was kind of just a quiet day in general. Cause even Preston Smith, Kevin King, I don't I just don't remember seeing or thinking, wow, they're making a difference outside of maybe Zadarius on a few plays and then Jair with two ginormous shifts. And and you look at those kind of I just I just think that we talked about it in the preview episode of Green Bay brought back just about every single person from last year. And I think it showed this game both on offense and defense. Vikings are going to be a completely different team when we play them in week eight. Their offense looked out of sync. And if you take away even uh, M. Thielen, who's a great receiver, you take away those two deep touchdown balls, he was floating around 50 yards. Dalvin Cook was at 50 yards. They just, in in aptitude on their side, more than I think it was us defending well. And I agree with you completely. If this is the same defense we see in coming weeks— I am a little nervous. I do think that they took off the gas, and I wonder what the final score would be if they hadn't. But I also don't necessarily think uh, we should be all that happy about how it went. Oh, yeah, the the final score is fantastic, and don't get me wrong. I'm pretty sure it was somewhere in the early third quarter that the bottom line on Fox was showing the quarterback statistics when the team had the ball, and Kirk Cousins was like three for six for 40 yards with an interception. And it was just like, how is that still his stat line? I can't believe it. Like, this is the guy that we're getting a bunch of trolls on Twitter saying he's a great quarterback. If he was a great quarterback, he'd have more than six attempts. He'd have a better than 50% completion percentage, and he would have a touchdown, not an interception. And that was part of their game plan on relying on the run. But all of his all of his statistics, he ended up 19 for 25, two touchdowns, 260 yards. He ended up with a decent stat line, but it all came once we switched to prevent defense. We got loose. We got lax. Thielen broke open 
and there was a miss in that coverage and he hit a wide open guy and and props on that you know we'll give him that one but this game we scored 43 maybe we don't score 43 if we don't have to but like you guys said earlier it it should have easily been 35 10 yeah yeah for sure and you know I, going back to chris barnes is this guy an answer in the inside he was attacking when he was nice play. He was i didn't mind it yeah the line very nicely and the he's a little pass. bit bigger so i mean maybe maybe they saw something in practice and they're like all right we need this guy for our run defense because we don't have anything so i i don't know maybe that's a, a little bit of a help moving forward but they definitely need to look at addressing that middle they need to sign somebody we need to trade for somebody mm. i know they Especially. probably won't but they really need to try to because I think this is going to be a very glaring issue, uh, like like yeah. everybody thought would happen. So there there need to be some waiver wire transactions and and happy to come out of this with a W. I think it it doesn't change my outlook on the season, but it's a hell of a start and and gives us a great leg up divisional wise. And the Lions lost and we get them next, so that's fantastic. But specifically if Kenny's down for a couple weeks, uh, the guards appear to be down for more than that, you know, from, from all we're hearing coming out of the locker room, they need to go sign offensive linemen and interior D linemen or just D linemen flat out. Cause snaps, that was, snaps, that was not snaps. impressive. And I'm, you know, I'm happy to come away with a W and we can kind of filter or uh, switch over to the offensive side. If you want to look at the bright side of it, cause the offense was lights out. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, I did want to bring up, did you guys notice, did you guys watch any other games today? Cause I was, I was watching the Atlanta game because I was in Nashville and the Packer game was not live. Uh, the crowd noise, the fake crowd noise at the Atlanta game and the Patriots home game was by far way louder than the Vikings. I don't even know if the Vikings had crowd noise going, did they? And I, didn't really hear I don't it. think they played their horn once. Well, they did that. They they actually did that to signify, uh, signify something. So yeah, that yeah, was actually yeah. pretty mm-hmm. cool. But yeah, I think yeah, George Floyd's family was there. But it was just really weird that we we knew that this was going to be a ginormous advantage to play them in an empty stadium. But it felt as though they did the poorest job out of everybody. Like I was even watching a little bit of the Saints Bucks game. Jumped over to even the Detroit game. Like it just sounded like it was the quietest stadium mm-hmm. of those that I did. Watch. But I yes. had no, I had no volume, so no comment. <laughs> <laughs> but let's talk about this Packers offense, which is the most points against the Vikings in their like 60-year history on opening days. It's it's a scoregami. This this score has <laughs> never like, happened before in the history of the what? NFL. It's just. Wow. If you, if I would have said in the preview podcast, gents, I believe in this team. I believe that Adams and MVS are going to go over 200 yards. They're going to have four touchdowns amongst them. We are going to get 43 points in the board. What would you have said? Three touchdowns. touchdowns yeah, stat check. <laughs> but to your point. I would have I would have been like, man, get off whatever you're smoking. It must be some good stuff <laughs> because none of us saw this coming. And we we pointed out, Josh and Ryan, we we all pointed out that the off season mantra because of the national news was so down on the Packers, but they're still bringing back stars. They still have stars. I just didn't expect them to have this kind of day. We're, we're saying a good day from Rodgers now is 250 yards and two touchdowns. He threw for a fee, 350 and four. Like he looked like young Aaron Rodgers because we didn't have much of a running game going, and and he 
got these receivers open. It, maybe that's a statement to what Derek was talking about on our preview pod that the Vikings corners are just young. And and I think Devontae knew it going in. He he made a comment. They asked him, when did you know you were going to have a good day? And he goes, I think Friday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he set his record for receptions in a game. It previously was 11. Now it's 14. Um, he probably could have had more. Um, yeah, I thought when I said he might have 10 catches that that was a bold take. I, he almost had that by halftime. If he didn't have it by halftime, he was almost there. Yeah. And, and honestly, I mean, he just schooled the corners. I mean, he was open all the time, but MVS and what Alan Lazard, both of those get, what they did was actually more glaring. Alan Lazard, he struggled to get open, but still ran good routes, but you still saw even on his touchdown pass, Rogers, Rogers trusted him to catch that ball. I mean, he was covered. Most quarterbacks don't throw that ball. They probably throw it away. But he still trusted Lazard, who was an undrafted free agent (laughs) pickup, to make a catch in the end zone. So love that. And then MBS, yes, he had the two drops. Didn't like it. They were very bad drops. Bad drops. But after the drops, what did he do? He made a huge catch on the offside call, got us down to the two-yard line. So. So it's awesome to see him. Hey, all right, I did something bad. Let's brush it off. Let's go out there and let's do the next play. Where last year, he probably would have been shut down. They probably would have pulled him from the game last year because he'd be so negative. So it's good to see him pick himself up, get back out there and make a good play. But I loved how our wide receivers showed up. Um, I think it did have a little to do with the young corners on the Viking side. Um, but but it didn't happen last year. So it's good to see. It was a really interesting game to watch from the offense because if you are expecting these bang-bang plays, these kind of wild setups, this is not the offense for you. If you enjoy watching the steady rollout and the progression to get where they need to get to, it is so fun to watch the end-arounds. The, the, I thought our, our blocking in general this game was absolutely amazing. You're having an O-line that's literally shuffling in players. Jenkins is switching sides. It's just like, what's going on? Amazing job keeping keeping Rodgers clean. I think he had maybe like three knockdowns, four knockdowns, seven hurries. Like Other than that, it was nothing. I thought uh, Josiah Deguero played really well. Mm-hmm. And if that one play coming out of the backfield, perfect mm-hmm. setup, Put some if air that would have been... Air. If that would have been a better ball, he probably would have scored a damn touchdown. I, I thought blocking on the outside was great. But the fact that you can throw to Devontae, MVS, and Lazard uh, and get 82% completion rate, that's this is the perfect scenario of we have guys that outside of Adams, just please catch the ball. Uh, the MVS drops killed me because I thought for sure we were regressing, but I'm glad he came back right away and scored the touchdown. But this is just a monstrous crew. If they can go in, cause you have no, you literally have no idea where the ball's going. And I think that if they can perfect this, regardless of who they have in the system remaining from last year, it's going to be very, very tough for defenses of units in the NFL to say, they see the same play, but it went to the fourth different person. It's it's very, very exciting to watch if you're okay with seeing it play out over a game rather than what's my short-term kind of success from it. With that said, if I had to name a tight end that stood out out of the four of them, who do y'all who do y'all think like what's the first tight end that came to mind? 
as I mean Degura as far yeah, I think as actual production, um, right? But overall yeah. blocking, all of them were standing out. Jay's had some really outscored, but yeah, I'd say just did, did anyone expect Josiah Degura to be the passing game standout <laughs> out of those four tight ends? That was weird. Yeah. And and from a, also your opinion on the play calling, I expected to see. You know, outside of the touch passes that uh, Rodgers would put a wide receiver in motion and give him that little one-yard forward flick and it counts as a pass, which is fantastic statistically, outside of that, did you see many plays that really you thought like, ooh, great call? Um, no, I, I think it was just an overall well-called game, though. Um, I, yeah. I, I mean, when you— well, I'm, when not you mad compare... with, I'm not mad with 43 points. I was just expecting to see a little more intricacies in the offense. Yeah, I, I think that's also game one stuff. Uh, I think they're still figuring out. I mean, I, I saw new things that they were trying, uh, especially with Urban uh, in the slot. You know, just like you were saying, Dan, just because he's lined up in the slot doesn't mean he's oh, a wide Oh, my receiver. goodness. Who, who wants to tell me now he's a wide receiver? <laughs> who wants to come at me with that sauce? <laughs> but, yeah, but but if you compare, we both, Vikings and Packers, had the ball ten times. We had 76 plays to their 49, and the time of possession was 41 minutes and 16 seconds to 18 minutes and 44 seconds. That is amazing play calling and controlling the game. I don't care how close the the score ended up. The Packers were in control of this game the whole time. Even though the defense was struggling, they were still in control of the game the whole entire time. Yeah, You know what we didn't see is the little one-yard flare routes to the sideline. That just was a staple of the Mike McCarthy area era and the early LaFleur area, like the first half of last season. So I'm glad to see that gone. From the play call perspective, though, uh, the one play call that stood out to me, which I, I sort of found as like, oh, that was perfectly drawn up or they just had the right call at the right time. They had Devontae out to the right. And you guys are going to know this play. So let me just finish the, the progression here. Devontae out to the right. I think it was Holton Hill on him. Interestingly enough, though, Cam Dantzler matched up with him quite a bit. So it, the young rookie shows some some potential. Uh, Harrison Smith over the top, bracketed coverage. And he was the only wide receiver on that side. Harrison Smith flashed like he was going to come down for the run game and then came back out to help out Holton Hill. And then this was the play MVS has a crossing route on third and four wide open and drops it. But from a play call perspective, they had Devontae clear out the entire right side. You get your speedster to fill that gap and la-di-da, wide open, right? So he'll catch that ball moving forward. We've already beat him into the bush hard enough. That was bad, but they schemed him wide open, and that was beautiful. I expected a little more action from the tight ends, not necessarily catching balls, but in motion, running rub routes, you know, making other guys free up. But I also haven't gone back and watched the tape from a blocking perspective. And obviously they did some things there because the offense was moving. So no complaints other than, you know, this line is going to have some issues from a depth perspective. You know, we, we talked about it right before we hit record. I think we still have five starters. Jenkins ended up starting at right tackle, kicking back to left guard when Lucas Patrick got hurt. Uh, Rick Wagner comes in. So I think I noticed that like mid second quarter that he was back in. And then, um, you know, Lane Taylor, man, you, you felt bad and multiple injuries today. You saw a guy go down and just know, you know, something's not right. And you just see it in their face. And it, it just the worst. You know, these guys spend nine months getting ready for the next season. And on the first game, you know, they feel something that just says like uh, this season's probably lost. So hopefully he can come back, you know, probably not in the next week or two, but uh, with him out, um, you know, we, we still have five starters across the board, but, ooh, it's pretty thin. 
Yeah, knock on wood and stay healthy until bye week at least. So. Yeah, Runyon came in and, and got some garbage time work, so good for him. But I, Yeah, I he, he looked good, too. He's pretty big out there. So, I mean, pass blocking, I'm sure he'll be able to hold up, you know, decently if he needs to come in. But, I mean, he looked pretty decent. The one good thing, as I've always said, if you need to hide an offensive lineman, put him at guard. Yeah, yeah. Those are the injuries. So I'm hoping for the best from those injuries. Uh, but if that's going to be the spot we got to take hits, it's better than taking a hit at tackle. Yeah, I thought it was interesting as a little side note. I wasn't expecting him to play much. A.J. Dillon, two rushes for 14 yards. I just wanted to see him once in the red zone. Like, when we knew we were going to run, just just see what he does once. because it, he, he will, just later in the year. you got to give yeah, him time. I, I, time. I know that Devontae would love to have that quick slant back. I know he would have it, um, but would have just loved to have been like, look, even putting him and Jones back there, just being like, we're running it. Who's it going to? We're, we're just going to go for it. But uh, it will come with time. Dan, did you want to bring up the timeout situation really quick? Because that was no. probably the one glaring issue that I just kept rolling my eyes that I believe we used all six. On Man, if I had any hair left, I'd be pulling it out right now. Why Aaron Rodgers feels the need to take every play clock down to two seconds before he even gets into the snap position, I have no idea. Blows my mind. I saw Twitter was losing their mind, too. We waste so many timeouts because the defense knows when to get going, get on their horse, and rush the passer. They know when to flash something new at Rodgers. Three, two, one, show him something new, and now he's confused and has to take a timeout. That's going to burn us. It, you know, Hopefully it was just first game stuff, but this is a 16, 17-year quarterback in a veteran offense. That's ridiculous. It's inexcusable. And, and, I, and I don't care if he does it every now and then, but you have to switch it up. Like you said, he was doing it every time, running the clock down to one second every time. You can time the snap very easy if the snap clock is going down to one second every time. So you're totally right. Needs to get improved. It happened last year, too. I think we were talking about this early in the year. Oh, yeah. Um, so hopefully it's something he improves on. You know, if there were two things to fix that, you know, if, if you were Matt LaFleur and you had to sit down Aaron Rodgers and say, if you can do a 180 on these two things for next season, we'll be 10 times better. I'd put that as number two. Number yep. one was getting the ball out, playing within the offense, get the ball out, stop trying to extend every play. So it appears from game one they took care of number one. Let's let's talk about number two. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely exciting. And with that, next week as we look ahead a little bit, back at Lambeau, albeit empty, against the Detroit Lions. That. Uh, I don't know if you guys caught it. Swift had an opportunity to win it for them with about four seconds left and dropped it in the end zone. So That's we'll a- see what happens if Galladay comes back. If if this Lions team it looked like they were clicking from a, a passing perspective, so we'll see how this defensive uh, or the secondary of the Packers holds up, if we can get some line action and what's going on with Penny Clark. But until then, thanks, everybody. 1-0. Go Pack, go. Go Pack, go.